everybody. Welcome into the Action Sports Jacks Pylon Podcast with Brent Martineau and <clears throat> no Dan Hick. Nope. Stuart Weber. Yep. Yeah. Doesn't mean we have to talk soccer. In fact, we probably won't talk soccer. Armada Ooh, open on the Fulham. 28th of April. Fulham's Yeah, we could talk some later. But anyway, Stuart Weber, who's been in on the podcast quite a bit recently. Off season. Due to vacationing. Yeah. Brent and vacationing Dan. Uh, this time it was just a schedule rearrangement. Don't worry, Dan's not suspended or anything. He just took the day off. Not yet. uh, We're going to have a couple of podcasts this week because it's a busy week around Jags headquarters. Let's get right into it. Paul Puzlozny retirement ceremony on Monday. I thought it was fantastic. I don't know how you couldn't if you're human. A little different than most. Uh, You know, this is one of those things where while everybody was gathering at Jags headquarters in the team room as off-season conditioning started today for the Jags, uh, I thought it was interesting because you're sitting there, and it's almost like you're at a wedding. And you're waiting for the bride to come down the aisle. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. I'm not trying to compare you to the bride. But we're just kind of waiting for Puzzlesley to come in, as you saw, former players and current players, Tom Coughlin, people in the building, uh, just about every, sponsors, everybody there in a, in a good media contingent as well. That was a really cool scene. You saw it from the back of the room. I saw it from the front of the room. Um, so you probably have had a little different look at it. But it was also kind of the same where, like you said, it, it's players are, are showing up that you're like, Oh, wow. Austin Lane's here. That's kind of yeah. cool. Or, he hasn't hey, played for the Jags in four years. It's been a while. Rasheen <laughs> Mathis has decided to show up. And Scobie, well, Scobie's here because he's always here. I'm sure he <laughs> golfed 18 earlier in the day and wanted to come by in the afternoon. But it, it was really cool just to see that that different groups of people coming wave after wave to see Paul Pazlesny, uh get sent off. And a lot of these retirement ceremonies – are not nearly as emotional as this one was, as you'll certainly get into. Yeah, and uh, Telvin Smith is, is obviously the guy, reason for that. I mean, he got up to the mo- – he and Paul Puzzlesi, a little background here, are really good friends, like best of friends in that locker room. And and you say, wow, there's probably a lot of guys like that. I don't think that's the case. I've been covering the NFL for almost two decades, and I don't know if you find best of friends kind of situations um, inside locker rooms. I think you find good buddies acquaintances during the season they go out to eat together those kind of groups position groups but this one was a different this is a different relationship uh buoyed of course a couple years ago i think by the fact that paul Pazlozny, uh flew separately to kansas city so he could attend telvin smith's brother's funeral and flew on a plane with him and consoled him during that time and a relationship that it was already good really took off and got extremely extremely close one of the most Emotional locker rooms I've ever seen in my life um, after that Kansas City game when Telvin Smith did fly in and play. Uh, so that's a little background on their relationship. But he got up to the podium to, to introduce Paul Puzlesny, and he, he didn't even get hello out, and he was in tears. I mean, the emotions – Telvin's an emotional guy. But we haven't seen him emotionally cry a lot in, in situations – this was one of those situations where you could just tell the bond between these guys, the appreciation, uh, where he could almost not get full sentences out. Yeah, and and I go back to that same game you were talking about uh, in the locker room afterwards. And it's, you know, for us as media members, our job is to, to gather the story, get our interviews, and, and do it quickly, especially with these games because you have to do it so quickly. And it was one of those moments where we weren't going to shoot it, but we were there to witness it. Uh, just to see the embrace between Pizlesny and Telvin Smith after that game and just to see how emotional it was. And that's something that sticks with me for, you know, 
continues to stick with me. I've said uh, a lot, a lot of different times after that that, and I understand it was a private moment, so I can appreciate the fact that everyone a public there, setting, which is so difficult. Yeah, yeah, everyone there with cameras. You don't usually shoot video outside of interviews in a post game locker room to begin with, unless it's the coach giving the speech. But I'm still a little surprised to this day, or almost wish to this day, there was at least a photo of that moment so people could at least get the feel for what that was like because it was it was incredible. And obviously this relationship's incredible. Paul Pazlozny, I'll say, I think this was the cool thing about uh, Monday, how appreciated he is. Yet he's not, nobody around the NFL will say, he was the best to ever play. He had the most interceptions. He had the most sacks. He he was this. He was that. He's not even the best player in franchise history here in Jacksonville and probably not even close. But I think it's cool in our day and age where we get caught up with stats and you got to be the best or you stink. You know, it's almost there's no middle. Um, this guy was a pro bowler. He was a five-time captain. He, he really made an impact. And all of those things came to the forefront today during this ceremony. And you could feel it. You could sense it. You could appreciate it. And I think he has a legacy of that that will last probably generations in Jacksonville, but even in the locker room, Stuart. And here's why. Because I think those players that have been around Paul Pazlozny, when they retire from football and they have kids and they have grandkids down the road, they'll be telling stories about Paul Pazlozny, about the way he warmed up for football games, about the way he handled himself, good and bad situations, how appreciated he was and respected he was in that building, how he wore a suit to tell Everyone in the building that he was retired, even though he was just stopping in on a normal day. But he wore a suit because he said lasting impressions are important, too. Because and, they might be your last impression. And because they might be your last, last impression. Last impression could be and a lasting one. Yeah. I'm not sure that was the last impression we'll have sure. of Paul Pozlozny. But uh, it was another impression, that one that people will tell stories about for a long, long time. That don't even relate to the football field necessarily, which is cool. And especially with that, we, we had a segment on Action Sports Jack's primetime this weekend where I asked the fans on Twitter, hey, chime in with your best Puzz memories. And, of course, you get a couple of them talking about his toughness on the field, the, the torn pec muscle, and he stayed in for the rest of the series with the torn pec muscle. Uh, the bloody face incident, of course, you know, he's, he's a gamer. He's, <laughs> he's going to get out there and play no matter what. But then there was also a couple who chimed in just about his work in the community, you know, uh, a kid's camp, how he worked with special needs kids. And uh, another great story was uh, a veterans, veterans uh, ceremony at the wall right outside of the stadium. They were having it on, I believe it was Memorial Day or, you know, a, a Veterans Day. And Paul Pazlesny wasn't an announced guest, wasn't, you know, scheduled to be there, but he walked over from the stadium and stood in the back of the crowd, didn't say anything, just stood there and paid his respects during the ceremony, which is... That's awesome. It's him in a nutshell. Yeah. You know. That is. That's awesome. That's good stuff. I I mean, listen, we got a story uh, a couple years ago, Hurricane Matthew, I think it was, during that stretch, where he was seen in his community helping a next-door neighbor, a lady, out putting up hurricane shutters. And it just, I mean, listen, he, he's that guy. And it's interesting you bring up the military part of it because when I think of Puzzlesny, I think of a guy that probably would have fit in perfect at the Naval Academy or anywhere, you, you know, the Marines, the Army, you name it. But he feels like that guy. The guys that we hear about when we see the Army-Navy game and they tell those backstories, to me that's him. And uh, it's pretty cool. But the coolest thing about Monday was just this peel back the curtain on – this tremendous relationship between a guy from Western PA and a guy from Valdosta, uh, a, a white guy and a black guy. And uh, I think Pazlesny says it perfect 
in this story. This is a story we just ran on television. And uh, take a listen to really the emotion of Telvin Smith and some of the responses from um, Paul Puzzleczny on Monday, the day he officially retires as a Jacksonville Jaguar. Brotherhood and bond. In a result-oriented business, relationships in a locker room get downplayed in the NFL. On Monday, Telvin Smith peeled back the curtain on what players value most. I never thought I'd meet somebody who didn't grow up in the struggle that I did and loved the game as much as I did. But I met somebody who understood what hard work and perseverance meant. An 11-year veteran and a fourth-year rising star were best friends in the Jags locker room. White guy from a small town USA in Western Pennsylvania, Telvin Smith from Valdosta, Georgia, two very, very different backgrounds. Neither right, neither wrong, but just two different places and we get put together in a room and you automatically bond in jail and we can talk about conversations that you can't have with anybody else um, and be purely honest with each other because at the end of the day you say, well, I love you, brother. Their bond did not end with that loss in New England in January, even if Paul Puzlesny's career did. I've never met a, a better man than you. I've never had a better teammate than you. I promise you, I won't let you down. And I feel like that last game, we let you down. So I dedicate this next season to you, and I promise you I'm going to lay it down. Well, there you get a sense of Telvin Smith's emotions uh, on this Monday and, and so many other players, too. We didn't talk to other players, but they were in there, and they tweeted, and Jalen Ramsey said, uh, true professional, and Calais Campbell said, I wish we could play longer together. I talked to Miles Jack last week. He said, man, I was hoping he would come back for another year. Uh, thought about the coolest thing maybe succinctly that Pazlesny said of why he retired. He said, I would rather retire a year too early than one play too late, meaning he felt like he was getting slower and he did not want to disappoint his teammates in a key moment potentially in 2018 that could cost him a play or a game. And he said, you know what, it's time to hang it up, contract year, all that stuff. Um, and that's why he said goodbye. So goodbye to the – I say in many ways the great Paul Puzzlesny on and off the field. And for us, a lot of it, too, is off the field. I mean, you talk about a stand-up guy in the locker room. While I've been here, we've had some bad years. Oh, yeah. And when you need someone to talk to you on camera, Paul Puzzlesny would never say no. No. Ever. And and that is so valued for us, uh, one, because it helps us do our job, but two, it shows his ability to be a spokesperson for the team and – and that guy who can who can make sense of what just happened after some crazy things that had happened yeah. over the past few years. Yeah, essentially, take a bullet for everyone yeah. else and say, "Hey, I'll I'll get up in front of this." Even though I don't like to talk in front of microphones, he's not that guy. No. And I think you really can appreciate this part of it when things went well. When he played that game for Telvin Smith, who was out with a concussion, and he played tremendous, and everybody rushed to his locker. He didn't want that. In fact, he tried to get away from it, but. They cornered him enough, and we cornered him enough to get him on. Uh, when we made a big deal about his first playoff game, he didn't want to make a big deal about it. He knew his role had been reduced, and he didn't want to be in the spotlight all of a sudden, a guy that really wasn't a main figure on that team. So you'd think a guy, the like guy always said this, he earned the right to get some praise and get his 
face in front of TV cameras and in front of a microphone because of all those bad years you mentioned. Yet he really didn't want any part of it. Uh, so uh, hats off to Paul Pozlosny. Uh, someone we'll remember for a long time. One of our favorites, uh, one of the media's favorites for sure. Hope he stays in town. And uh, it looks like he will stay in town. By the way, people ask what is he going to do. I did not rule out coming back into coaching at some point, although he never really looked at it as an option. But so many people have said it to him. They said, hey, you never know. Uh, he said that he's going to try to get his MBA over the next year and a half, two years, uh, whether that's in the financial world or he's going to decide if he wants to pursue aviation uh, because he likes to fly. Uh, one of his hobbies is flying planes. Uh, he's got his pilot's license. Um, I don't know the specifics of that because I'm not well-versed on it. But uh, he may even try to go to school down at Embry-Riddle. I was going to say, right if, down the road we and, have one in Daytona. that's one of the reasons he could stay. Um, and how about this? You want to see an impact. We said the impact on Telvin Smith. You know who's now flying planes and learning to fly and be a pilot? Miles Jack. <laughs> a guy that basically took his position. Was his shadow for the first couple years. was his shadow for the first two years. Yep. On every warm-up, every, like a little puppy dog. Uh, Miles Jack went everywhere Paul Pozlesny went, even to the sky, <laughs> in terms of uh, learning how to fly. So pretty cool stuff when it comes to Paul Pozlesny. All right, uh, a lot of Jags the rest of the week. Uh, we're talking some players, including Blake Bortles. We did see him today. Looks great. Um, definitely working out in California. We'll get some more on that tomorrow. Uh, Doug Marone, Calais Campbell. We'll talk to those guys as well. Uh, then later in the week is the big one. That's why we'll update the podcast Thursday. State of the franchise. Um, unveil for the uniforms an announcement of a concert and we think the schedule will come out Thursday night as well if it comes out sooner we'll probably pop in with a, an abbreviated podcast on the schedule uh, and then pre-draft luncheon on Friday so huge week down at Jags a week before the draft which will be in Dallas Stewart and I will be there uh, next week at the draft we'll have a pre-draft special on Fox 30 and CBS 47 at 7 o'clock in conjunction with the Jaguars. So that will be a lot of fun from Dallas, from the stadium, from Daly's Place, and the Flex Field. We'll have what day are the Rangers playing, by the way? Rangers are playing Wednesday. I already looked it up. Right, so we right, may right. find ourselves a, a new ballpark on Wednesday to watch the Texas Rangers play. We'll I've get been, into I've that been, a little I've bit I've been to that one, by the way. Oh, you so, have? Yeah. Oh, I have not. It's a nice one. I have not spent a lot of time in Dallas. Uh, but I plan to next week and also when the Jags visit which I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I would love for it to be on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, I doubt that's going to be the case, but I would love cool. for that to be on Thanksgiving I Day. I think if they, what if they sign Des Bryant tomorrow, <laughs> then they're going to put it on Thanksgiving. <laughs> A little addendum to the schedule. I bet the they would change makers. some things. Uh, real quick thought before we go, though, on Florida-Florida uh, Florida State spring games. Um, you watched them. I watched them from kind of a distance. Uh, I was with the kids this weekend uh, at some tournaments. Uh, I didn't see – listen, uh, I'll give you my thought real quick. I don't think it's about football, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. I think it was about getting people excited about a program, smiling, having fun. I think you saw that from Dan Mullen. Whether you like the antics or not, the counting the scores from off the sideline, the, some of the goofy celebrations, all that stuff, whether you liked it or not, and I don't see why you couldn't like a lot of that. But I think it's about getting people excited about Gator football again, reconnecting with the fans. You know, I don't think Gator people would really admit this, but it's amazing how much they lost the fan base in the last three, four, five years. Gradually, but I think they lost them in a sense. You saw it in the declining attendance. Attendance, I think there was a little bit of, uh, there certainly wasn't apathy. Sure. But there certainly was a bit of disconnection, I think, with the fan base. One, because they weren't winning big. But two, because it was kind of boring. It was stale. It was good defense and no offense. And I think Dan Mullen recognized that. I think Willie Taggart, to a degree, recognized 
that he could bring back a certain element of the fan base by bringing Bobby Bowden back into the fold. So it's a great measurement between these two programs, and I thought it was all about the CEOs and Willie Taggart, Dan Mullen, reconnecting with past and now current Gators, uh, both fans, players, and, um, and anybody else associated with the program. I thought that's what Saturday was all about, way more than defining who's going to start in the fall at quarterback. Yeah, it definitely was not about that. That That's for certain. If anything, it's probably the... Because if you look at the spring, the spring is 15 practices, I believe. Yeah, 15. Yep, 15. Uh, I would say that the spring game is probably the, at best, third most important. Because you have two scrimmages before that that are usually behind closed doors and are way more competitive. Mm-hmm. Those are the... Those are the days that you know the coaches are really evaluating because they're setting up the teams how they want. You think about these spring games, both of them, Florida State and Florida, feature drafts where the teams were split up, not in a way to make it strategic for the coaching staff to look at their different units, but just for the fun of it, yep, yep. where you had the different coaches drafting on their teams, putting it together. And so you're talking about maybe ones with twos and threes, Twos and twos with threes. One, you know, you're split up mixing, offensive linemen. You're splitting yep. up offensive linemen. You're mixing everybody up, and that certainly will create a little offensive inconsistency. If you look at the first half of the Gator game, it was three nothing for the longest time until Lawrence Wright broke free <laughs> and got that touchdown, um, which he almost didn't catch it. By the way, he kind of fell down as he oh, went. He's a little heavier than he yeah, used to be. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that that happens with age, as you and I both know. Uh, but you're right. I think it's. I think you're right from an evaluation standpoint. Now, listen, you still can get excited about football. I thought at Florida State, you saw some athletes, man. I mean, the running backs. uh, Did Blackman impress? Not really, but he was playing with one scholarship receiver, uh, playing with no offensive lineman, essentially one starting offensive lineman. I still think offensive line is a concern point at Florida State. But you could tell the offense that they're going to run looks entirely different than what Jimbo Fisher and that pro style looked. The running back, uh, Laybourne, learned about the hot mic. Uh, I don't know if you saw that video. I'll show it to you after we're done with (laughs) this. Uh, But apparently when you're getting interviewed on TV, there are words you're not supposed to say, Ah. uh, which we'll find out because we'll never hear an interview from him the next year or two. Probably not. Well, there were some mistakes because the the Celebration Florida game I thought was a little over the top, too, after one of the touchdowns. That was a big Uh, gamble. Yeah, given this. That's his name, by the way. Yeah, given uh, what's going on. What I didn't know if that was a Fortnite Kind of, you know, thing. Fortnite's yeah. the game, and so I wonder if that was that. I'm not young enough to answer that. I'm also glad it didn't become this huge topic sure. and overshadow the it game. Could've. I think it was a learning mistake, uh-huh. maybe even by Mullen too, to say, "All right, you got to tell us what you guys are going to do." Right. Because one did the duck, duck, goose. I saw that after. Yeah, the, the fun stuff, but you know, pretending like okay. you're shooting people is yeah, probably not the best thing in this climate, no. uh, this day and age. So, um, uh, again, it didn't become a huge story. Sure. It was probably, it wasn't a reference to anything other than probably a video game is what we assume. Um, but, uh, but anyway, yeah. so it wasn't all glorious, uh, in Tallahassee and Gainesville, but it was a start. I think it's a building block. A 53,000 in each of them is great. And you got to love that. I think yeah. the fan base, uh, came out. I think they had fun. And now we find out in August what these teams are all about. Uh, right now, it looks like Florida State has more athletes. Uh, they don't look like they have much of an offensive line, and they're going to play a completely different style of ball than Seminole fans are used to. Uh, in Gainesville, who's the quarterback? Uh, I think Emory Jones really flashed. To me, he was the one guy that said, whoa, okay, you got something there eventually. When's eventually going to take place? And I'm not so convinced Kyle Trask isn't the quarterback. I think that was my first time seeing him, so I might have given him a better grade than I probably should have. 
Um, but Felipe Frank still looks off. There's something that seems like he's missing, but I'm not going to evaluate. He had a 60-yard touchdown run. Yeah, that he should have been sacked on. Three but uh, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk more Florida Florida State down the road. One last thing, because we have you, so we should talk a little soccer real Let's quick. Let's do because it. Because I'm actually spent some time looking up the table and the fixtures and everything else going on there at Fulham. I'm excited about this. They could get promoted back to the English Premier League. Got to finish top two. Unless you win that third playoff spot, so there's they are one point out of second right now. Tell me the chances. Handicap this thing, sock block Weber. All right, so there's three spots in their league, and right now Fulham, Shad Khan's team that he owns, is in the second division of English soccer. Top, there's three teams that get to move up to the top division, and that means you play Manchester United, Chelsea. Liverpool, Arsenal, all these huge names, Spurs, Tottenham Hotspurs. You have all these great games that you get added to the schedule, and you get a lot, lot more money. Which, Big time bucks. Which is what Shad Khan would love to see, because yeah. right when he bought the team, they went down. They were in the Premier League when he bought it, so he bought it valued as a Premier League team, and then the last few years they've been playing in the next lower league. Like we're talking like a couple hundred million dollars. Yeah, yeah, we're talking right. eight, nine digits. Yeah, we're right. talking a lot of digits here as far as the difference between those two leagues. So Fulham, as you said, is third right now. The top two teams automatically move up to the Premier League. Three through six have a playoff to determine the last team to move up. Fulham actually was in that playoff a year ago. They were in that three to six playoff. So they don't want to be in the three to six playoff if they don't have to. They want to be in the top two. You said they're one point behind. That's great. But the second place team does have a game in hand. So they have an extra game to play, another chance to earn more points. So I'd say... 25% 25% chance. They need a little help. They need help. They definitely need help. They need. And they got to win out. They, they got to win out. matches left. Yeah, they had a tough, tough result here last week because yeah, the they draw. were leading 1-0, and then they gave up a goal in the 90th minute. And so that cost you that two points. It sounds like the last couple of years full. It does. Yeah, that and that that hurts. Yeah. <laughs> so They went on a crazy run to get in this position. They're still though. on a crazy run. Right. It's 20-plus games unbeaten. That's pretty impressive. Uh, so they are really doing well. Imagine doing that and you still don't get promoted. It's possible. Yeah, I was surprised that with the run they went on, that first place team is like 10 points ahead. Yeah, what a year they're having. I know. Um, All right, that's my soccer knowledge for the week. That's going to do it for Stuart Weber. I'm Brent Martin. No, no Dan Hicken on this podcast, which means no Mets talk, no Bachelor talk, no whatever else talk, which I thought was kind of enjoyable without it. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Yeah, even got a little soccer in there. All right, more to come later in the week. Thanks for listening to the Action Sports Jacks Pile On podcast. (laughs) 